Hello, and welcome to Makers.dev, episode number 27. Chris, congratulations! <laughs> you got thanks, gold! Thanks. I did. I'm so happy yeah, yeah. for you. Yeah, I got gold uh, in my first ever KL competition uh, solo, which is a, an achievement, I, I guess. And um, yeah, so it feels really good. Uh, I got fifth place, uh, which is good. I was seventh going into the like the cutoff, and then I went up two places. It uh, feels really good. So I knew I wasn't going to get first or second. Like Those teams were quite a bit ahead of everyone else but uh yeah it feels good be a fifth and assuming they don't decide that you've cheated it's possible you can <laughs> get bumped up even further yeah uh so there <laughs> i sent you that message because for like a few hours they have to um they have to verify all the results and actually mm -hmm. a couple teams further down from me but a couple teams did get get hit for cheating i guess they have probably automated detection like cheating is mostly like you use multiple uh, accounts uh, that's not allowed um and there's some other things and so yeah so a couple got knocked off but yeah no these results are final as far as i know so yeah i didn't use multiple accounts or anything so i should be good yeah fantastic oh my gosh congratulations what <laughs> weeks and weeks of hard work paying off and amazing that you did this solo i was looking at the leaderboard and it has little uh avatar icons for each person on the team and some of them had like seven people <laughs> and you know none of them uh in the top that i saw was just a single person and then you know there's just you and it's, it's just you <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you beat this team of like nine people below you <laughs> uh yeah amazing uh and i think a, a testament to like if you i i think both of us are people that work incredibly efficiently solo and it would be great if we could figure out how to leverage that on a bigger team. But also, this is sort of reassuring to me that, like, you were just as effective as a nine-person team. And uh, uh, more effective. Uh, and, like, I feel pretty good about running this one-man company. If if I'm, you know, on the... It's, it's not impossible that I could be outperforming a team that's ten times bigger than me uh, just by being more effective and like honing the, the process that I'm doing. Uh, sounds to me like though, having the success and a recent birthday, happy birthday, I think uh, a little birthday present to yourself and a reward <laughs> to yourself for doing the competition might be in order. Chris, would you like to tell our listeners about a recent purchase? Yes, I, I finally <laughs> bought the most expensive computer I've ever bought in my life. <laughs> yes. Um, I made the purchase. It takes a few weeks to ship apparently. So uh, but it's coming. Yeah. I did, I did not go for the giant two graphics card monster that I was mm -hmm. specking out. Um, I went with a more modest one graphics card. Uh, but it's, it has 24 gigs of RAM, which is the highest consumer, you know, like the highest RAM you can get in a consumer graphics card. Um, yeah, I'm super excited. I'm so excited for you. I'm so excited to see what you do with this machine. Pulling, zooming out a little bit, I'm reminded of like the, the, uh, the the oh not the Turing machine the machine that uh, was used to break the German Enigma code Enigma uh, uh, in oh. World War Two yeah I don't I don't know Alan Turing made it I, I forgot what it was called um that machine was like the most powerful supercomputer of its day and the entire country of England pooled all of its resources together to use this machine at Bletchley Park to crack this code and then. I think the standard historical line is like it, it uh, took two years off of the war. And like, who knows how the course of history would have gone if, if this machine wasn't built. And touring Bletchley Park, it is a facility. It's like, you know, buildings and buildings and uh, something like, I think, 20 or 30 buildings that when you go through the tour, 
it's all these different rooms and they're talking about like this is the room where all the people who were who were the computers who <laughs> like that was their job description they computed stuff and like here was Alan Turns office one of the brightest minds of the entire uh, century and uh, here's where he did his stuff and like the information would flow from this building to this building so like it, the input would be from the spies that were getting the information and then th these people would process it and then you had this whole building of like German translators and then that would go to this building and all the way through the complex and then because it's a complex okay well when they had to have support staff of like people that drive everybody around and people to feed everybody and uh, th this was this was an operation that took a nation behind it to do this thing and that problem can now be solved by a middle schooler with a raspberry pi and here you are as a human capable of beating these nine person teams who are you know on you know one of the one of the most powerful uh not powerful one, one of the most advanced uh groups of people in this industry you're one guy and you just bought one of the most powerful computers for this specific application to solve these ai experiments you plus this machine is like, oh my gosh, what what sort of a powerhouse is this? This it's it's if we could if we could be airing this episode you know forty years ago and say you know this is what the future is going to be like, people would have lost their minds. <laughs> They'd be like, what yeah. what sort of sci-fi incredible thing is this? How many gigaflops of processing power does this thing have? What are you talking about? <laughs> how how is it? Does this machine take up a warehouse? No, it's it's in a little box. And you know, driving this machine, there must be an entire uh, uh, an entire company of people. This must be hundreds of people. No, it's, it's just one guy. It's one guy in his house. Like, oh man, I, I I think it would be easy to write this off as just like, ah, oh, it's just you know a dude buying a new computer. Uh, but I, I'd like to take a moment to just appreciate where we've come as a society that you're able to do this and you're able to uh, have this incredible potential. Uh, I would love to hear about your plans and uh, fantasies of what's going to happen next with this machine. What will Chris Ashard be able to do with this incredible computer? Yeah. So first of all, uh, you always have a way of putting things that I never think about. <laughs> so like this grandiose, <laughs> you know, enigma solving machine. Um, I'm just a dude buying a computer, but yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's what uh, it seems like on its surface. Yes, exactly. Uh, but it's great to think about stuff like that. Um, yeah, so the main thing I'll be able to do with this machine that I'm not able to do with my current setup is these bigger image and sound challenges. Um, so, like, uh, I can do the tabular data stuff. That's, you know, like, the, the the challenge I just finished was about a gigabyte of CSV data, which is not that much. You can move that around. Um, the image stuff, that's... The one I was trying to do was 16 gigs. They've had up to, like, 50 or so gigs, <laughs> and you just cannot move those to, you know, the cloud with any... <laughs> Uh, speed and so yeah having it all local is going to be a huge advantage uh, for that um, so yeah so I'm excited to yeah do some of these challenges that I just I'm not able to do right now that's what I'm looking for also so also the reason I went for the really high RAM uh, GPU um, was I'm really interested in like the the creative aspects of AI um, like like how can you get a computer to make things and all of the interesting uh, generative AI stuff requires a lot of RAM. Mm -hmm. And so that's why it was important to me to get this really, this 24 gigabyte, uh, G or 24 gigabyte graphics card. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 24 so, gigabytes. I know. Oh and, in a graphics card. And then the computer itself has another 64 gigs of RAM. You know? <laughs> so it's like, it's, it's absurd. Um, but yeah, that's what Which graphics card is in it? It is the RTX 3090. 
Okay. And so, yeah, that is the highest end uh, NVIDIA card, consumer NVIDIA card right now. There there are higher ends, um, like they don't, their terms of service actually disallow you from putting this graphics card into like server farms. There are different mm-hmm. graphics cards for those. And then there, so there's one of those that has a 48 gig like um, capacity, but that's like the graphics card alone. It's like 20 grand or something, 13 grand. <laughs> yeah. It's, I did not buy that one. <laughs> um, yeah. Amazing. That's so cool. Do you do you have a scale of comparison of like, so give me a sense of how powerful this thing is. Like how, how many of my MacBooks would it take to be able to uh, have it's, the... It's kind of a different... Um, you can look up like benchmarks and stuff online, but it's sort of a different way of computing things because it's not... You can't directly compare it to like a CPU because CPU is like you do one operation at a time in order. Mm-hmm. A graphics card can do, you know, 10,000 operations all at once. That's yeah. why... It's super, super powerful because it does these matrix operations, you know, so it's a very specific kind of operation, but both graphics, so like ray tracing and stuff and deep learning can be modeled as these matrix multiplications. And you could do, you know, 10,000 of those in a single clock cycle. And there's, you know, I don't know, three, 3.7 gigahertz. So what's that? A, a lot of clock cycles per second. Um, <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, so you can do the, it, it's kind of, it's like a different kind of computation, which is what mm-hmm. makes it really powerful for deep learning and for graphics. Nice. Man, I'm so excited. Okay. I'd, I'd love to do some sort of a math quality of like, okay, yes, it, it's very highly parallel, parallel, but like there's a, there's a GPU in the M1 that would be doing these, the same sort of uh, parallel operations. I'd be curious to see like, how can we compare apples to GTX? Oh, I didn't write it down. Uh, R- RTX 3090. Yeah. So, so RTX probably, so you, your, your M1 probably has maybe two gigabytes of RAM. So that's the first difference is 10 times as much. Um, and so what you can do is 10 times, basically the amount of data you can fit in a batch is directly proportional to how much RAM you have on the GPU. And so as an example, in this last competition, I uh, took my model down to a size where I could fit my entire batch in memory. I, I was doing like half at a time and it, mm-hmm. and it increased my um, accuracy by about 20%. So like, getting big batch sizes is like a big deal because mm-hmm. you increase your accuracy a lot just by having more RAM and being able to do more things at, at the same time. Um, okay. It, so this, it sounds like this may not even be a thing to, that, that can be made in a comparison because you're by fitting more data in a batch in memory at the same time, you're able to come up with a more accurate model that you could not have come up with in smaller memory with smaller batch sizes. Is that right? Exactly. And there's tricks like you can accumulate gradients, which is kind of like, you know, doing multiple things and then combining it all together like that. Mm -hmm. But basically it's way easier if you just have the memory to stick the whole batch in memory at once. Yeah. 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 I'm reminded of a type of spider that has a brain, just a little, the size of the head of a pin and my understanding is the mechanism of how this is done is not yet understood, but this, this spider can solve mazes and it can, it can do things like, you know, go up so that it can see the entire maze and then just sit there for like an hour and like solve the maze. And then it goes down and goes in the maze and goes in the direct path that it can do. And, uh, no one has figured out my current understanding, how this how the spider is able to do this, but uh, it would have to be doing some sort of heuristics of batch sizing and, and uh, solving little pieces of the maze and then and then combining it together. So like, you know, if that, that takes the spider an hour, I imagine if I could increase the spider's brain by a factor of 10, 
it would be a difference in magnitude that would become a difference in kind of like it no longer has to solve the maze first and then go it can just fit the whole maze in its head at a glance and be like oh okay i've solved it and, and keep going uh it sounds like that's it sounds like my computer is the spider and your computer is a human person who's able to just see the maze and, and walk right through yes correct yeah it's cool, cool. <laughs> i i don't have it yet though i'm like i'm nervous about how long it's gonna take the guy said like two to three weeks and so i'm hoping two to three weeks we'll oh, see man. <laughs> it's like gpus are just really hard to get right now because everyone's using them to mine ethereum yeah. or whatever so yeah yeah freaking ethereum ah those, <laughs> those crypto bros making the world hotter and making so much money uh you have another exciting announcement that i saw on twitter that i am so envious of because i've applied for this three times and i still don't have it and there's so many things i want to do with it uh you got into gpt3 yeah 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 Tell me I about applied. that <laughs> i applied a few months ago and i also tweeted at the guy like the um the person in charge I don't know what his title is at OpenAI, but anyway, he said tweet at him if you want access, so I did, and I didn't hear anything. And then I just got an email, uh, and I got access to it now. So uh, GPT-3, for those who uh, don't know, is it's an AI uh, produced by OpenAI, um, and they lets you, um, it, it basically lets you ask prompts, so in natural language, and it will give you responses. And so the thing that uh, Christian's talking about is I asked it to tell me a children's story about a spaceship that gets lost. And it did. It like wrote out this whole story about a spaceship that is lost and finds a bird and then uh, feeds the birds kids and then finds his way back home. And that was the whole story, you know, and uh, yeah, it was kind of spooky how good it was. It, it was also yeah. kind of wrong and just a little bit uh, like, like in a little weird way. Um, but it was like pretty the spaceship good. couldn't find the ground. That yeah. seems like a pretty straightforward problem. <laughs> you just keep going down. <laughs> yeah, so it was a little bizarre, but but it was also really really good. And uh, yeah, so I'm excited about uh, just messing with it and seeing uh, seeing yeah. what I can do. Yeah. Something I'm so curious about is we're at the point now where things like GPT three are better than most people at doing certain tasks. So if I took a hundred people randomly and I was like, hey write a children's story. I think the story that GPT-3 wrote would perform, if ranked and like analyzed by people who can judge these things, I think it would perform better probably than like 80 of those people. I think I would be one of those people. I, I'm not confident that in this moment I could write a better children's story than GPT-3 wrote. And GPT-3 can just churn it out. It doesn't require, you know, food and money and a social security number to do this. It's just like, oh, a couple cents of electricity. And here you go. I've done this thinking for you. And this is sort of a weird in-between stage where I think similar to the work that you're doing in AI, where the best team is like a computer and someone who's able to program the computer very well. This feels like a weird intermediate stage because I think eventually what's going to happen is the computer can do it the best. There, There is no human computer hybrid that can outperform just the computer. This happened with chess. Uh, this is currently happening with playing StarCraft. Uh, I think it's happened with Go also. I think Go has, has crossed that yep. threshold of now computers are the best players at Go. Uh, and for each of those things, it used to be that the, the human-computer hybrid was the best team to do this thing. And so I don't know what that looks like when, you know, if, if you live in a world where GPT-3 is the best children's author, how does that change society? What, what does that mean? Uh, and it's really, really cool to be in this in-between stage because... If you're someone who knows how to use these tools, if you're if you're familiar with how to interact with GPT-3, there's going to be a lot of really fun arbitrage opportunities of like, you know, maybe you just publish 
combine this with some sort of an, an algorithmically generated uh, illustration for a children's book. And now you can flood Amazon with a billion children's books based on every topic. And now any search term someone searches of like, <laughs> like a children's book about, uh, you know, a bear that goes to the moon and then, <laughs> I don't know, gets dysentery. Uh, you could you could find that. Uh, and I think I think what what's going to be very interesting for me is seeing what is valuable about intelligence. Like, it, it would be very easy to just write a story and have that be a story. And I think humans are very good at interpreting random information and finding meaning in it. But part of the reason stories are so interesting is that they they convey a lot more information behind them. Uh, it's there's a there's a children's story called uh, uh, something about a dragon, how to or an, an invisible dragon, or oh, it'll it'll come to me, uh, and I'll send it to you to, to link in the show notes. But it's the story that ostensibly is about like this dragon in this house, and the dragon keeps getting ignored, and then the dragon gets bigger and bigger, and then as soon as the dragon is recognized, it, it shrinks down. Well, that that's a story that like a computer could have written, but a human wrote it, and a human wrote it in this way that conveys this much deeper meaning of this the story is sort of a lesson of how to live life that's being conveyed by a human who has been living in the world uh who is trying to tell you like hey this is the simple way of understanding this thing but the the message i'm trying to tell you is very important like confront your problems as soon as you can because otherwise they'll get out of control um i think it'll be interesting to see how people need to be more discerning of the quality of information when there is so much more of it and it's so much cheaper to produce. We'll have to develop stronger filters for getting the meaning out of things. That's my philosophical rant. That's, <laughs> yeah. Those are my opinions. And also I want it so bad. I'm so, yeah, yeah. I'm so envious. <laughs> um, so yeah, there's, so GPT-3 and other AI things right now, basically they can sort of parrot what they've already seen. Like that's mm. what they're really good at. And it, it doesn't mean copy it exactly. So in the children's book that uh, GPT-3 wrote me, uh, it had a spaceship named the Spaceship Silver Star. Uh, <laughs> and I looked for that uh, like term uh, in a few different ways and I couldn't find it. So presumably they came up with the Spaceship Silver Star altogether, but it came up with that because it's seen Spaceship Silver and Star, you know, together yeah. many times. Um, and so in AI coming up with like a truly unique, like foundational, like you said, like um, a meaning behind a story and then conveying that meaning like that is not where we're at yet. Um, mm -hmm. it's more formulaic than that. Uh, but like I, as a human, I consume a lot of formulaic content, like basically every TV yeah. show, you know, like imagine Netflix in 20 years, you can pick your favorite five actors and pick your genre genre, and it will create a movie for you. You know, yeah. like, uh, we're almost there like deep fakes, uh, combined with a script from open, you know, from a GPT three, you know, like you can almost kind of do that. Yeah. Um, and that's where it's going to get crazy. Cause you have like infinitely niche topics that you can just make content for. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm excited. And it'll also be very interesting to see like what human creation means in an era where that's possible. I'm so excited. That's <laughs> I would just Jim Carrey. I just want to see Jim Carrey in everything. Jim Carrey <laughs> Oh, it'll be, it'll be great. Yeah. And like, it sounds like science fiction, but that's the pieces are there and we could kind of do it right now. And it's only going to get better. Um, man, and how exciting the, the problem then becomes like, I think 20 years ago, the problem was just in scarcity of information that if you're trying to learn a topic, 
you, there's a place that you go. You go to like the library where you go to your one friend who knows a guy who's done something like that once and whatever little scraps of information you can get. All right. That's what you're working with. You're trying to learn how to build a house. Okay. You go to your library. There's five books on how to build a house. Uh, you, you read them and like, okay, that's, that's the information you're working with, which works in a world where things stay the same most of the time. Um, because you know, okay, you, you can consolidate a book. That's all of the cumulative knowledge of how to build houses that, that people have learned. And that's not the world that we're living in. We're living in a world where things are changing like on a weekly basis. Things are radically different. And it's like, hey, you know all the problems you had before? Uh, here's GPT-3. Uh, it's a new thing you can use to solve any problem that looks like this. My gosh, how radically does that change every industry? Uh, and we haven't even begun to feel the ripples of it yet. Um, and I've lost my train of thought. I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> uh, the GPT-3... Uh, well, okay, it's gone. It's it's amazing. It's cool. <laughs> That's it yeah. might come back to me. I, I'm very interested to try it out. I'm very interested to get my computer here and hook it up and do all the things with it. Um, I'm starting a couple new cattle contests, and so you know that should be interesting. Um, there's always like five or so running at a time, so I've entered a couple more. See uh, how I do there. Um, I still am doing my other SaaS work as well. Uh, but all this this whole week was basically AI based, and so yeah, that's what I did this whole oh, week. <laughs> yeah, much more fun. Are you still doing the consulting, or did you decide not to do that? No, so so I did, I, I did a little, but no, it was a very short lived thing. Yeah, so gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, it was, it was basically exploration to see if it could turn into something else. And partway through, I was like, I, I don't think this is gonna turn into anything else. So yeah. Yeah, you've got AI to solve. You've got you've got unsolved okay. problems to to uh, get golden. Neat. Uh, I also got sidetracked uh, this last week on more fun things. Well, I, I, that's not fair to say that you got sidetracked. I think this AI is like a that's that's one of your primary focuses right now. Uh, I felt like I got sidetracked doing home diagnosis. I talked a little bit last week about uh, this ERV thing, this energy recovery ventilator. Uh, I, I went from last month, uh, a month and a half ago, I went from not knowing what an ERV was to now I own two ERVs and three ERV cores <laughs> that I'm going to use to try to prototype like a, a window ERV unit. And I think every house should have this. Uh, I think this is one of the things of like building science has changed substantially in the last 20 years that like ventilating in fresh air and not just relying on the house breathing, uh, which was the... Uh, state-of-the-art technology uh, 20 years ago uh, is the way to go because when a house breathes you're not controlling where the air is coming from so it's leaking through just every little crack and hole it can get which means it's getting filtered through your walls and whatever gross stuff is in your walls of like insulation or mold or whatever stuff has gotten in there now that's getting in your house um, and it's much better to try to completely seal your house as much as possible and then have one central place where the air is getting filtered and then uh, going into your house. And because it's central, you can do this trick where you recover 80% of the uh, heat uh, or cold and humidity. So I found myself in this position of like, I've been learning a bunch of about, about tiny houses and building science, and that's so much fun and like very much in line with loving building software that it's oh my gosh i get to see how houses are built and looking at a house now i can i can take it apart in my head and be like okay well i'm looking at the siding and under the siding would be a tyvek uh vapor barrier and then under that would be some obs plywood and that would be nailed into some uh two by four or two by six studs 
uh, and between those studs would be insulation, and then they have drywall on top of that, and that's a house. And uh, my gosh, that's that's not a sentence I could have said, you know, uh, a, a couple weeks ago, and became invaluable in trying to diagnose this mysterious problem in my parents' house of why people feel bad when they're in this house. I experience it as this burning in my upper lungs. Uh, my sister and brother-in-law experience it as getting the forgettals that they like. <laughs> Uh, aren't able to remember things as clearly or think about them uh, and they get much sneezier. My mom has had this persistent cough for the last 20 years that has just become normal. That's just like become a thing that's accepted that, oh yeah, mom mom coughs a lot and uh, that's that's just a thing she does. So I set to work on like piecing this apart based on my newfound knowledge of building science, trying to figure out what this was. And in the process of this, got a whole bunch of diagnostic equipment. I got like VOC detectors and air quality monitors measuring humidity and temperature and uh, uh, PM 2.5 for dust going to every room of the house trying to like experimentally figure out something is wrong my dad was explaining it as like he felt like he was trying to hunt a ghost because you <laughs> don't really know what's going on but you know that you're getting some really weird readings like the VOC levels in this house are way too high uh, and they go up really high way faster than they should after you've filtered out a room and in the process of doing this I in testing out several different hypotheses of like it, there's a very leaky barrier between the attic and the main house. Uh, and I figured out that that's because we have these recessed lights in this house where the, the body of the light is in the attic. Uh, and then the light is just flush with the ceiling on the interior space. Those lights are not air sealed. They, they just have these huge gaps in them where air from the attic is just able to freely flow through the house. And that's how houses in Texas were built at the time. Uh, and so, like, every house in this neighborhood, every house probably in the in the city is built this way, um, which, at a baseline level, terribly thermodynamically inefficient. Uh, when it gets to, like, 105 degrees in Texas and your AC is cracked on uh, low, uh, there's just hot air streaming in from your attic, uh, which can get up to, like, 140 degrees because it's, it's, like, insulated, and then there's these holes in the ceiling that go down. So my theory, part of my theory is that, okay, when it's 140 degrees, stuff in the attic is getting cooked, then it's off-gassing, and there's a lot of things that could be. There's formaldehyde and plywood and a lot of other things, and then that air is slowly leaking into the house through those recessed lights. Um, and then I realized, wait a minute, a lot of these symptoms that I'm feeling and that other people are feeling could be explained by fiberglass. If you have fiberglass in your lungs, fiberglass isn't able to be uh, digested very quickly by your lungs. The macrophages, when they try to bite onto it, because the fiber's too long, the fiber's longer than the cell is wide. Uh, the cell just like sort of grabs onto it, but then the, the digestive enzyme in the ma macrophage just like leaks out and wreaks havoc in your lungs. So that would explain why I feel like my lungs are burning. That would explain my, why my mom is coughing. And then cause a bunch of other things. If you're not breathing as well, maybe you're not getting enough oxygen to your brain now. Maybe now it's harder to, to remember things. And so through this diagnostic experiment of like getting all these different things and learning all these building science things, I think I may have solved the problem. And I think the solution might be you just cover the cam lights from the attic and there's this cover you can get that you put over it and then you, you seal it with foam. And uh, yeah, that's <laughs> this is my illustration of like how understanding how to make things and practicing the art of like taking stuff apart and understanding the basic components of it can solve problems that have been around for 20 years. And I think this is a much bigger problem than just this house. I think I may have solved a problem that a lot of people in this area may be experiencing without even knowing about it. Uh, tell me I did a good job because I was working <laughs> so hard. Yeah, that that's nuts. Um, like I, I, um, 
empathize a lot with that because so for a long time my brother had bad allergies and we thought it was i mean it, it was because he was allergic to cats and the cat would sleep with him often <laughs> and so we we're like well don't let the cat sleep with you um but we also it's a very straightforward at, solution exactly um but at some point we also moved his bookshelf and behind there was part of a window which had molded all down the drywall and we Ooh. didn't realize it because the bookshelf was there and it's like um so I'm sure the cat was part of it, but also this mold was growing in his room and we had no idea. And so it's like, yeah. Yeah, like if you have a persistent problem, go after it. Like, you know, like you said, your mom's had this for years, like, you know, yeah. And now you're going after it. Um, so that's great. Like if that solves the problem, that's, that's, that's really awesome. Um, also, yeah. What a, like a tragedy that a large chunk of the country is probably living in houses older than, you know, I don't know, 40, 50 years and probably have this problem or other problems related to things we didn't know about then. Um, yeah. And yeah, you know, with a cap to cam lights, you know, maybe that would fix a, a large chunk of it. So yep. yeah, I, very excited to see if that, if that fixes it. Are you able to detect fiberglass on your like uh, 2.5 um, uh, detector or? No. And okay. <laughs> the way fiberglass is detected is with a microsc- my, uh, microscopy test. You just take a sample and you like look at it under a microscope. And my dad, uh, through some sort of a liquidation auction at like a hospital or something, bought these really uh, these very expensive, but he he paid very little for them, uh, like medical grade microscopes. And uh, they're super old. They're very analog. You, it's it's just optics. There's no digital display in them. And so uh, when I had this idea that it may be fiberglass, I was like, hey, don't you have a microscope? Let's let's whip that out. And took a sample and. Uh, you know, I know nothing about microscopy. I, I like did. I looked at things under a microscope in high school in biology lab, uh, but I was like, I, I can figure most things out. I can, <laughs> I can figure out how this works. So what I did was I went to the fiberglass installation and I took a piece of tape and I put the tape over the fiberglass and then put it on a slide and then looked at what that looked like. And I was like, okay, it looks like these semi-transparent fibers and they're about this big. And then uh, I just took a blank slide and I put it on there and looked and saw, okay, this is just what a slide looks like. And uh, it looks kind of dirty and it's got some bubbles in it and like, okay, but it it looks pretty clean. And then I went around the house and enlisted the help of my whole family. Uh, I gave them the task, take this piece of tape and stick it to somewhere where there shouldn't be fiberglass and then bring it back and let's look at it under the microscope. And so in every slide they brought back, I saw at least three pieces of fiberglass and these mm. pieces are very small. And in some parts of the house, like a, a foosball table that has been parked directly underneath a cam light, my sister got a, a sample from there and brought it back to the microscope. And it looked like the sample that I had taken from the piece of fiberglass, which, wow. okay, this this confirms my theory. Uh, but it felt so cool to, <laughs> like, going into this, not knowing anything, feeling like I was chasing a ghost, to now, okay, I've sort of got my legs underneath me. I Fiberglass is a potential thing, and fiberglass would behave in this way and here's my method of detecting it and let's develop a theory and test it and okay yeah this is consistent with uh what my hypothesis would have been if it's coming down from the can lights it would be it would be more uh concentrated down there um yeah so that that has felt really good i wanted to say also this feels like tying back to uh gpt3 of like stuff is just improving so much faster and uh you can't you can't have a book anymore about home construction uh, because things are changing so rapidly. There's there's so much information. Uh, I remembered my previous point also. Uh, <laughs> so I'll, I'll tie both of those together. Um, the imperative of 
keeping up to date in information is so much stronger now because things are changing so much faster. So basically everything I'm doing, I feel like if I apply any sort of thought into it of like, uh, what's the best way to classify these images? If I try to go from knowledge I already have in my head, nine out of 10 times that information is stale, no matter what the thing is that I'm doing. Um, so you sort of need, uh, the, the same is true of this building science problem of like the, the best way to do things 20 years ago of building these houses so that the that air was coming in fresh uh, so that the house could breathe. Uh, that idea is outdated uh, and it really takes a, a rigorous audit of all of the things in the space coming into this house with this vague notion of like something in here is wrong and I'm not sure what it is. Uh, it could be anything. And it's it's a very difficult process to like go through all of the different things it could be and try to figure out, you know, is there a better way to be doing this thing? In this case, uh, having the recessed lights uh, makes it so that the house is very leaky. And so, uh, and that is no longer best practice. Best practice is now like you seal your house as much as possible and you put the insulation on the outside of your house. And that makes so much more sense uh, because now, you know, if, if you're cold, you put a jacket on, you don't stuff the insulation between your ribs, but that's effectively what we're doing in this old style of building houses, putting insulation between the, uh, between the studs. Um, and so this is the point that uh, I was going to make earlier that I had forgotten. This poses this problem of like, when we have GPT-3, that can just be churning out information that looks like information. And it's so much easier to create stuff. It's so much easier to have a blog. It's so much easier to, to publish YouTube videos. The problem ceases to be that there's a scarcity of information and it's just difficult to get the one book on construction from your local library. The problem now becomes curation. The problem is now, how do you figure out what the right thing is? Given this swamp of like, here's all the different things it could possibly be. Uh, and I think that's, I'm, I'm very interested to see how that changes the landscape of what the world looks like. Uh, when you know anyone can put something on Amazon uh, the the algorithm of how to how to figure out what the best thing is of those uh, becomes much more important. It becomes much less about here's the one thing that's made, and we have gatekeepers uh, so that we have gatekeepers preventing you from getting any information that's not the most valuable. Now it becomes this problem of how do we find the best thing among this sea of available things when everyone has published a thousand books based on their own thoughts in GPT three. How might we find the the best books of those that are actually meaningful um and that's a yeah. difficult problem <laughs> yeah th this is this is why open ai didn't release gpt3 it's why they're doing it very slowly um and when you sign up you actually have to agree the terms and like part of the terms are like i will not use this in election campaigns to you know disseminate like information basically because like yeah what if you yeah right what if you have and you know you could make a million different bots to you know troll the internet with dis disinformation um so they're very worried about that and uh you know who, who's to say that this terms of service actually do anything but they're, they're being very aware that you know you can use this to actually like like control people's emotions and brains by posting on the internet with it um mm -hmm. so that's super interesting uh the uh, the other two thoughts I had were, uh, your brother was looking for a business idea. Uh, it might be a very good business idea to try to install these cam light caps in every house that he could possibly go to. Um, that's, <laughs> that sounds like a really good thing. Uh, if nothing else, it'll help with, uh, you know, heating and cooling costs, but it could also potentially help with this fiberglass problem. Yes. Um, and then the second thing was, 
my very favorite way of dusting, which I've discovered is, so we have this really big HEPA filter. I move it to a room and I use a uh, battery powered leaf blower and I blow the whole room and then I walk out the door and close it for a couple hours. Um, and it works really well. Like you, you see the red light go on in the HEPA filter and then a couple hours later it's, it's blue again, which means it's cleared everything out. Uh, that is that so might work. smart. That might work for fiberglass. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm going to do. That's genius. Oh, I love that. And a HEPA filter can just be like, you know, a box fan with a, a HEPA filter ducted to it. Uh, so I don't I don't have to subject my fancy yeah, expensive uh, air filter to, to that environment. That is so much easier than what I was going to do, which is like meticulously wipe down all the surfaces. Yeah, you just get it airborne and you wear a mask and you like wear clothes that you know are going to You may want to do that for Like I usually vacuum first. Mm. I usually vacuum first and then leaf flow and then vacuum again. <laughs> and that's yeah. how I'll, you know, I'll do that, you know, I don't know, once a month or something to all the rooms in the house. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's such a good idea. That is, and you do that once a month. That's so smart. That's exactly what you should be doing. Oh, I love it. Yeah. And then all the dust and all the like dust mites and uh, everything would, would just get cleaned out. That's, a, oh man, I'm so happy we have this podcast. If not, <laughs> if for nothing else, then. Uh, for that leaf blowing idea, uh, leaf blowing dust or tips with with Chris and Christian. <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe that can be part of the service that uh, my brother offers if he starts a business with this. Is like, you know, yeah. here's our process. We go through and we seal all the can lights, and then we clear out all the dust from your house with uh, our very <laughs> professional looking <laughs> box fans with uh, Merv HEPA filters strapped to yeah. them. Yeah. Uh, and we just we just get a leaf blower in there and blow everything out. What a I wonder if that would be an effective way to vacuum. I guess not for the smaller particles. It, um, yeah, like it'll still like stuff will still settle on the floor, you know. But yeah. the stuff that stays around for a long time, that's why I just turn the HEPA filter on full blast and that'll get the small stuff, but the, the big stuff I still vacuum afterwards to get like the big stuff that falls. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. I'm gonna try that later today. I'm gonna do that. <laughs> Uh, I had a thought also with your GPT-3, the, the, I realized that the way that they set it up is very clever as an API because now as they're slowly giving out access to this, if someone did try to use this nefariously of having a, a fake news stream of stuff getting posted, uh, made to look like real people, but, but with a very particular agenda, well, because it's an API, if they can find any one of those posts, they can trace that back to, oh, it came from this API account. Let's shut yeah. that down immediately. And then also we can see all the other stuff they have. So now we can share with Facebook, hey, here's the content that you might see that would be coming from this one source. Uh, that's that's a very clever way to do it. I, uh, I, I appreciate that they're being so careful with it. Yeah. Yeah, which is why they're doing it that way. Um, I mean, so some people have already made models almost as big as gpt3 so like it's going to be disseminated anyway yeah. um but yeah they're trying to be careful at least so yeah. it doesn't happen all at once it's good that we have a we can practice it in a controlled way uh we, we can start greasing the wheels of how does this happen and what are the sort of bad things people try to do with this and if i was gpt3 I'm, i may almost uh want to test this on applicants who i thought we're going to use it for nefarious purposes just to see what they do and have it in a controlled way and then just like watch them very closely. Uh, it feels sort of like a, an information vaccine. And then when these models are, are decentralized, when they're not in the hands of one place, but just like, you know, anyone with a Raspberry Pi can be generating a novel. 
uh, or publishing 10,000 uh, terrible Facebook posts, um, we as a society will have practiced what to do with that and, and what that looks like and uh, hopefully be able to have a better response to it. Man, how crazy is the world? Things are moving so quickly and I love it. What, a, what an exciting time to be alive. Yeah. Yeah, I'm super excited to see what happens. Um, sometimes it's uh, fear-inducing, and other times it's super exciting. So yeah, hopefully I, I'm an optimist generally. So hopefully it's on the exciting side. Yeah, yeah. Same. Yeah, and I think you know that every every strength is a weakness. I think you can look at anything and see positive or negative aspects of it. Like, are cars good? Well, in one respect, yes, because they increase social mobility and i think you can attribute the the middle class the existence of the middle class i think you can attribute to cars and like the existence of suburbs uh that not everyone has to be living in these huge mega cities you, you can be like 40 minutes out and still make it to the centralized place uh before we had internet which is arguably a better tool to to be able to do that uh and at the same time my gosh if henry ford knew what effect this would have on carbon emissions uh, what he and and pollution and uh, you know the the side effects of fracking and the the negative effects of the oil industry like would he have made the same choice probably <laughs> but uh, you know you you can view the car from a very negative standpoint and see that as negative and uh, I agree with you that I prefer to see things as positive and yes any new thing will have some negative externalities and I think. The game is not limit new things. The game is make as many new things as possible to try to fix the problems of the, that you've created with the other things. Um, and I don't think anyone would say that we are worse off than if we were living naked in nature. I think uh, disease is down and humans live much longer and it's so much easier to get food and an hour of light. And uh, I, I love that more knowledge is being disseminated faster. Um, and that's that's the world we're living in. And if you've got a problem with it, then make a new thing to fix it. That's that's my philosophical stance on uh, <laughs> optimism of technology. Yeah. Yeah. So that's all I got. Uh, I'm excited to go to this next week, do some more AI stuff, do some more SaaS stuff. What, what do you got going on this next week? I have one more thing that I'm right. very excited to talk about. Right behind me, for people watching this on YouTube, is the Maker Made 2.0 CNC machine, still in its box. Uh, I don't know if this is going to get to be set up and unwrapped this week, uh, but oh boy, am I thinking about all kinds of things I can do with this. It is a CNC machine that costs about $1,000 that can cut a 4x8 sheet of plywood. So you input your design of like, I would like these pieces cut out in this particular shape, and you set the plywood up, and then it does it and routes it all out and then spits out, here you go, here's all your pieces. So you can use this to print out furniture and you can use this to print out signs and oh my gosh, I there's so many things I wanna make with this. <laughs> uh, the thing that finally pushed me over the edge was prototyping this window ERV unit. Uh, I wanna be able to like make a box in a replicatable way uh, that'll be the right size and that like has air vents in the right place. And so with this, like I'm gonna get some plywood, I'm gonna sketch out a design on my iPad uh, maybe with SketchUp and then print it out. And then, oh, you know, it, it was a little too big on this side. And, oh, this part needs to be a little sealed. So I'll change my model. And then after three or four iterations, ah, it's the perfect ERV unit. Then I can do what we talked about last week, which is like, here are my plans. If you have a CNC machine, uh, print out this thing, 
buy this ERV from this place, buy these two computer fans from this place, and pop this in your window, and boom, you've got fresh air coming in. We have solved this problem created by modernity of having airtight buildings and having indoor air pollution. Uh, maybe pair this with the leaf blower HEPA filter method, and you'll have <laughs> uh, fresh, clean air in your house. Uh, so that's very cool. That's I may be as excited about the CNC machine. Well, that's not true. I was going to say... <laughs> as you are about your computer, but you'll be able to do much cooler things with your computer. Uh, I am very I excited about the CNC machine. Printing real things is pretty cool. Uh, it's too bad plywood's like 80 bucks a sheet right now. But, yeah, right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but that's awesome. Yeah, I'm super, super excited to see what you come up with. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say a way to save money would be like, oh, you could print out a chair from a piece of plywood, but it's so much cheaper just to like buy the chair. Buy the chair. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, well, hopefully that'll that'll calm down soon. Uh, all right, that's all I got. That's cool. That's all I got too. Then I will see you next week. Goodbye. See ya.